0: We're on the record. I'm Senior Supervising Producer Maureen Harvey in for Sheila Cast. Good morning. What lessons did you learn about money growing up? Did you graduate high school feeling prepared to make financial decisions? The Center for Financial Literacy at Champlain College publishes an annual report card on financial education in U.S. high schools. Just seven states earned an A last year, meaning they require a semester-long course in personal finance to graduate. Maryland, which does not have that requirement, earned a B. Later, we'll hear advice for taking control of your budget in 2024. But first, how are Maryland teachers working to incorporate instruction about financial affairs at every grade level? Julie Weaver is the Executive Director of the Maryland Council on Economic Education. Founded 70 years ago, the council works to promote high-quality economic and financial instruction in classrooms across the state. Julie Weaver, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. What does financial education look like right now in Maryland schools?
1: Well, as you said in your introduction, Maryland does not currently require students to complete a financial education course in order to graduate. Instead, in Maryland, the Maryland State Department of Education has created a set of educational standards that are expected to be taught statewide in grades three through 12. How those standards are implemented is determined by each school system individually. Some systems are able to offer a required course and some are not. Some systems are able to offer more instruction than others. The current system has a lot of benefits because students should be learning this critical information beginning at an early age. But the downside is that instruction is uneven across the state. So where you live really impacts what level of education you have
0: access to. And what are the consequences of that uneven level of instruction?
1: I think the consequence is really where you live dictates what you can learn or what skills you develop throughout your um, youth, your educational career, and it can have big implications on your future. 75% of families currently report that they are financially stressed, and financial stress can lead to a lot
0: of other social problems. So what does the Maryland Council on Economic Education do?
1: We're a nonprofit organization that partners with teachers and school systems across Maryland to support instruction of personal finance and economics in all courses and in all grade levels across the state. We specifically provide teacher professional development workshops and courses to help teachers gain knowledge and skills and feel more comfortable teaching these topics. We also provide classroom resources like lesson plans and classroom activities to um, help teachers with lessons in personal finance and economics. And then we provide fun student engagement programs that give give students hands-on learning. The Stock Market Game being our biggest program statewide and one where we get a lot of feedback that students um, really love it and really get engaged in learning about investing for their future through this 10 or 30 week um, immersion experience that the Stock Market Game offers.
0: How many teachers and students do you reach on an annual basis?
1: So typically we reach about 2,200 teachers a year and that equates to 228,000 students. Over the course of 70 years, we've estimated that we've reached over 6 million students and are now on a generational impact scale where students that have participated in our programs during their youth now have children that are participating in the same programs. And that's really a lot of fun when we hear that
0: from parents. That's Julie Weaver of the Maryland Council on Economic Education. On the record, I'm producer Maureen Harvey. We're talking about the workshops and materials the council offers to boost financial instruction in schools. And I want to bring a teacher into this conversation. Amy Cardiullo is a gifted and talented resource teacher at Waverly Elementary in Howard County and a member of the council's teacher advisory committee. She joins us from her classroom. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Amy how do you incorporate financial education into your teaching? So I know
2: that um, Julie was talking about some of the fun um, programs that they offer such as the stock market game. Uh, As as a gifted and talented resource teacher I have the ability to work some of those into my teaching through when we have lunchtime seminars they're called. Um, I have Kids that come during their lunchtime, two days a week. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have over 100 kids who have signed up this year to participate in the stock market game. And so they come on two days a week and they have a, what we call a lunch bunch with me, where they learn about the different aspects of the stock market and investing. And they take part in the stock market game itself.
0: Tell me how it works. What What is the game? How much money do they have to work with? How how oh, does the game work?
2: It's it's a fantastic opportunity. They get $100,000 in a virtual portfolio that they get to invest in real-life, real-time stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. They, they get to track how their portfolio is doing uh, based on how the market is doing. And we spend a lot of time talking about current events and how current events impact the stock market. Uh, We talk about earnings reports. We talk about risk uh, and reward. um, And so they come all the way with a lot of real life applicable information.
0: Is this program just for the gifted and talented students?
2: Oh, no, it is not. It is open to, I only do it with fifth grade because I have so many kids who are interested. Um, I limit it to the fifth grade every year and and they have the math skills and and the, you know, the ability to think in those terms. But like I said, I've had over a hundred kids this year, over a hundred kids last year. I've been doing this for about 20 years now. And every year the kids come back and, and just say how much they've enjoyed it. Even kids who are now no longer kids, who are adults come back and tell me how this was the the jump off point for them for investing.
0: Julie, I think Amy has mentioned the lunch bunch, so a lunchtime activity. And I think math seems like a natural fit for financial education. Is it possible for teachers to work the lesson plans that that MCEE offers into every subject?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So across the state, we not only see it incorporated in, in math classes and in gifted and talented time, but we see it in social studies. We see it in family and consumer sciences courses. We see it in business courses for high school students. Really, I could make an argument for how you could use it in nearly every class that a school teaches. Maybe with the exception of PE, that one might be a little challenging, but, but there's lots of ways that it can be used. And teachers are the most creative people on the planet. And they think of ways to incorporate this education that we have never even considered.
0: And Amy, there's a poster contest, right?
2: That's correct. Uh, the Maryland Council on Economic Education sponsors a poster contest. the uh, The poster contest is focusing on different economic concepts. Here in Howard County, the second grade students learn about various economic concepts through the economics of production. And so this poster contest is a a great extension to that. Uh, It talks about things like scarcity and shortage, producers and consumers, philanthropy, opportunity cost. So I invited any fourth and fifth grader to participate in this and again i do this during lunchtime where they come to me and um you know we talk about the different concepts and then they create the posters themselves and this again is something that they is self-selective by the students Um, but this year i have well over 100 kids at least 150 kids who are interested in taking part in this contest
0: julie how do you see boosting financial education in in maryland schools as setting kids up for being able to to have a bright financial future?
1: I really think it's essential. In Maryland, we talk a lot about being college and career ready by the time a student graduates high school. And being able to manage your money well and make good decisions is a big part of that. I think you can be set up for success in a particular career field. But if you're not able to complete the onboarding paperwork, or be able to understand the retirement benefits that are being offered to you as part of your job, then you're not really fully prepared. So having this information at an early age is just so important for kids in order to put them on a path where they are aware of their potential for debt and the implications of that, and really thinking strongly about, you know, how best to plan for their future. We can't stress enough that um, that needs to happen at an early age before they start making decisions about college loans
0: and careers and things along those lines. Julie Weaver is the executive director of the Maryland Council on Economic Education. Amy Gargiulo is a gifted and talented resource teacher at Waverly Elementary in Howard County. Thank you both for speaking with me. Thank you. We were glad to be here. Thank you so much. We have more information about the Maryland Council on Economic Education at the On the Record page at WIPR.org. Short break now, when we're back, advice to help you take charge of your budget in 2024. I'm On the Record producer Maureen Harvey in for Sheila Cast. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Senior Supervising Producer Maureen Harvey in for Sheila Cast. Taking charge of your finances can be overwhelming. It's hard to know where to start or where to turn for help. If 2024 is the year you've decided to take charge of managing your money, here's some advice to help you get started. Jasmine Brewer is the executive director of Making Change, a nonprofit organization based in Howard County that provides free individual counseling and group workshops on personal finance and home buying. Jasmine, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Making Change was founded three decades ago. What is your mission?
3: So the mission of Making Change is to provide pathways to enhance lives of our clients through financial and education educational services. Um, Our mission is really driven towards uh, working towards a community where all people have financial independence to achieve their hopes and dreams. So what services do you provide? Making Change, as a HUD-approved housing counseling agency, we offer both financial education as well as housing counseling services, as well as free tax preparation. Under our financial education curriculum, we offer offer workshops and one-on-one counseling for budgeting, debt management, savings and investments, as well as avoiding scams and frauds, which has become a huge um, challenge for a lot of consumers, particularly um, through the pandemic and after. Our housing counseling services focus on pre-purchase counseling, as well as rental and fair housing.
0: About how many people does Making Change serve each year? Annually, for all of our programs, we're at about uh, 1,100 clients a year that we serve. Talking about money can be really uncomfortable for some people, even scary. How do you help people overcome that fear?
3: Making Change, we have a number of, uh, we have six values, actually, in terms of how the staff in terms of the culture of how we deliver this service to the community one of them being empathy it's really important when you're working in this kind of field to understand that this is a no judgment zone we tell that to all of our clients we that we are not judging you based upon decisions that you have made in the past or what you might make in the future so really having this understanding that we're all human and everyone has challenges helps break down the barriers or or I should say, um, maybe internal barrier that some clients have in terms of the discomfort of talking about it. Because when you are going through counseling with our agency or any other HUD approved agency, it does require a level of vulnerability as well as transparency. So what do I mean by that? We talk about specifically financial debts. Um, incomes, expenses, um, habits that might be related to those um, financial standpoints in each household. So it's just really important. And we drive a uh, the messaging from our team that we're not here to judge you, but we are here to help you. And we can only help you if you're willing to accept it, which honestly helps break down a, a big barrier that a lot of clients have. Um, I've been in this field For almost 20 years having started my career working more so in foreclosure prevention and that was a when we were going through the foreclosure crisis in 2007 2008 2009 working with clients who never in a million years would think that their high paying stable jobs uh, might terminate or some other emergency happen and they would be in a position to possibly lose their homes and it was really paramount that they be counseled in a respectful and professional way as it would be with any business. And I think that that's a um, misconception that some clients may have that, well, if the service is free, then I'm not going to, to be treated well, when that's certainly not, um, that's not the typical uh, feedback or response that you get when you come to a nonprofit agency such as making change.
0: You mentioned the rise in scams that happened during the pandemic. I'm wondering, what else did you observe about the impact of the pandemic on your clients' financial circumstances?
3: There were, and still currently, a lot of households that um, were living um, paycheck to paycheck or within very slim margins to be able to make it day to day, month to month the pandemic highlighted the issues that a lot of these households were already facing so what does that mean Um, you know in financial counseling one of the big rules that we work on with clients is the need for emergency savings not savings for if you're trying to buy a house or savings for possibly something big that you want to buy but emergency savings to be able to protect yourself and your household in the event that just something happened, whether it's that someone gets sick or there's a loss or reduction of income, which is and that's what a lot of households experienced with this the hit with the pandemic. And so it brought out um these challenges of being able to be completely financially self-sufficient. So when a lot of our clients did lose their jobs, or they did have a significant reduction in their household income, then a lot of them faced foreclosure. So, you know, we went from the foreclosure, sorry, not um, eviction, apologies. So we went from foreclosure to then this huge eviction crisis where um, entities such as Making Change, we participated in programs such as funding through the Department of Treasury under the American Rescue Plan Act, also known as ARPA, to be able to provide rental assistance to those households. Um, Our mission and our goal with that was that we also provided them counseling. So, you know, instead of just putting a bandaid on, okay, that fixes the rental uh, delinquency now, that we can also talk about, well, how do we ensure that you are not back into this situation moving forward? I will also note that those types of initiatives take a lot of uh, partnering with other agencies because no, not one agency can do everything. So we look at this in a very holistic way of partnering, for example, with Howard County Office of Workforce Development, also partnering with other nonprofits that provide possibly more affordable housing options, partnering with the Howard County Housing Commission that runs the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Because we have to figure out, well, how do we holistically address this problem? Because everything um, ties into each other.
0: That's Jasmine Brewer, Executive Director of Making Change on the Record on WYPR. I'm Maureen Harvey sitting in for Sheila Cast. We're talking about how the nonprofit helps people improve their financial health through counseling and workshops on budgeting, credit building and repair, debt management, and more. Earlier this morning we heard the Maryland Council on Economic Education uh, talk about their efforts to boost financial literacy in schools. From your vantage point, what are some common
3: gaps in financial knowledge? We can start with the the very basics, um, and I'll, I'll use this example to really highlight this. I, While I don't typically always meet with clients, I happen to meet with a client um, within the last couple of years, and as we were talking about structuring a budget and what's a budget and how do you compose one, how do you put one together, um, the client was understandably so in some ways frustrated because he just felt like, I just get the bills and I just pay them. But the a huge gap in that is that oftentimes there are a lot of things that we do not account for in our financials um, that can still impact us. So a perfect example of that is, you know, instead of cable television, a lot of households now do apps. Um, so it could be amazon or it could be hulu or netflix and if those happen to just keep coming out of your account then how do you account for or track for that so at the very basic level it's one of the first things that we do with clients is going through a budget and the whole purpose of that is to get clients more in tune with their financials Um, if you don't check your bank account or if you're not even um we just talked about scams briefly earlier there could be possibly charges on your account that you're not even familiar with, and that can then snowball into maybe some serious identity theft. So at the basic level, looking at what your budget is, how do you account for what's coming in and what's going out money-wise into your household? Mm -hmm. Following up with that is also just the management of debt. Uh, You mentioned earlier how, um, scary it can be for a lot of uh, individuals and consumers who want to face their financials but it it can be daunting and it can feel um deflating for some but you can't face it if you don't know what's out there so another key thing that we do with clients is we have them pull a copy of their credit report to verify all the information that's on there and then once we have gotten down to We've confirmed that all of these accounts are theirs. Talking with them about different methods to be able to tackle this debt. Are you going to use the snowball method where maybe you pay off the smallest debt first and then you work your way up to the largest debt, which a lot of people typically like because they can easily start to see their progress. Um, Another option is where you pay off the highest interest rate Um, Debt first, and then you work your way down through that way. So we offer all of these different strategies and talk about them on all of our debt management group education workshops, which to be able to accommodate more clients with such challenging schedules these days, we offer them on zoom so you can literally connect from anywhere to be able to make sure that you're getting this information.
0: Making Change also offers free tax preparation services. Tell us about that. Sure.
3: So we are entering into our 11th year offering uh, what is called the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, also known as VITA. This is in partnership with the Internal Revenue Service, as well as a local entity called The Cash Campaign of Maryland. And that program is geared towards serving low to moderate income taxpayers. There, are, This is the one program that we have that does have the income requirement. The income uh, maximum is $64,000 for a household to be able to receive this free service. And what happens is that taxpayers are able to bring in all their tax documentation into a Making Change Vita site after having scheduled an appointment and they are able to get their taxes prepared for free. We have qualified, um, very experienced and professional volunteer tax preparers who come back to us year after year um, to offer this service. And through that process, they're also educating the taxpayer on, well, these are the credits you're eligible for. You know, we talk about the earned income tax credit. We talk about the child tax credit, talk about the education credits and add another layer layer of uh, resources so that the taxpayer is informed um, moving forward. That program over the last two years, we have been consistent at saving our clients approximately $70,000 in tax preparation fees that they otherwise would have had to pay had they gone to um, a, a service that does charge a fee for this.
0: Jasmine Brewer is the Executive Director of Making Change. Jasmine, thanks so much for speaking with me.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
0: At the On the Record page at wypr.org, we have more information about Making Change and their free text preparation services. I'm producer Maureen Harvey in for Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow.